The blast from our past network. Conrad? Conrad! Hello, Newman. This is so f***ing good! Nothing for you! These pretzels are making me thirsty! Not that there's anything wrong with that. Serenity now! He's a re-gifter! Well, let's start the insanity. Giddy up. Welcome to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We're two super fans giving you every single episode of Seinfeld back to back to back to back to back because we love this stuff and you love this stuff and Seinfeld's the best. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we have got an episode for you, everybody. (laughs) This is a hell of an episode. Uh, This we today we are talking The Pitch season four season four episode three it aired on september 16th 1992 and it's a double episode guys it is huge it's a mong mondo it's a mumbo jumbo sized uh, <laughs> episode that's for <laughs> mo jumbo yeah <laughs> all right Corey. uh how about you uh give us the it's got to be a lengthy synopsis that's for sure yes sir the pitch slash the ticket the that's the second episode technically um even in the blu-ray box i'm sorry even in the dvd box set here uh it has them listed as like one chunk like one description but it does say the pitch slash the ticket um and they didn't do that for the boyfriends I, I just sometimes i just don't get how, how where they're mm-hmm. pulling this information from for this box set but uh here we go all right guys we're gonna be digging into this two-part episode as one because that's how it is on hulu nbc executives approach jerry to write a sitcom pilot george joins him in this venture and pitches a show about nothing crazy joe davola stalks jerry and kramer newman uses kramer as a witness to get out of a speeding ticket not the beefiest description ever, but but very concise mm-hmm. and very accurate. Yes, it just hit the main plot points of uh, everything that's going on. You know, all of, all the story things because things do happen in this show. It's not just nothing. It's we not have, just we have nothing. the uh, yeah we have the synopsises to uh, to back it up. All right, and we start this episode off with a little bit about Amish country. Yeah, buddy. So. Parents like to drag their kids to historical sites on vacation, places like Colonial Williamsburg, and you supposedly see authentic blacksmiths there. You know, he's got the three-cornered hat on, the the knickers, and a Def Leppard t-shirt. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's funny, because I've been to uh, to Get- Gettysburg before, being from the East Coast. Uh, mm-hmm. Jerry's parents, uh, you know, he talks about how uh, Jerry- Jerry's parents took him to see the Amish country uh, as a kid, and uh, when you're a kid, you see you see you know a bunch of Amish people and you're like who cares you know these are just people with no cars tv and no phones so what neither do I it's just a whole community of people that are grounded essentially and he says uh that's how parents should punish their kids that's it go to your room you're Amish for the weekend don't come down until you make some noodles and raise a barn (laughs) I was like okay that was funny uh of the of the stand-ups in this episode, I think all of them are good. This one's a, probably actually the weakest one of all three of them, but I still enjoyed it, especially growing up you know, on the East Coast and going to Colonials Williamsburg and always being very, very underwhelmed by the experience. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been to Amish country once. Um, I, I didn't love this stand-up personally. I felt kind of bad that he was ripping on the Amish <laughs> so much, but... Uh, it was fine. Well, the great thing is they'll never know because they don't watch yeah. TV. <laughs> True. Uh, 
true. What about when they go onto their uh, what's they called Rumspriga? Oh, uh, I think it's. Is that when they were allowed to like go out into the world or something? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't really yeah. know much about Amish uh, culture other than what I learned on Kingpin. Okay, well, there's apparently a show called Roomspriga that I heard was pretty just kind of ridiculous. These like teenagers going off into the world and doing blow and all this stuff. Or I don't know how true <laughs> wow. any of that shit is, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right, so in the episode we uh, kind of open up at a uh, comedy place and. Uh, George and Der- Jerry are chatting with some random dude. I don't even know who the hell that guy is. I think he was another comic. He was like another stand-up, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got, and that's all you really need to know, because he never comes back. Uh, but uh, George starts, you know, making his random comments. You know, George, just he does this all the time, uh, this time about toilet paper. And he's just kind of going on and on about toilet paper. I like how Jerry jokes about, you know, oh, you know, if you really, you really like toilet paper. You, if they had a museum of toilet paper, you would totally go see it. <laughs> well, sir, I did go check out to find out that uh, there was a uh, Madison Museum of Bathroom Tissue that did open up back in 1992, but it uh, same year as this episode aired. So I have no idea if one influenced the other. <laughs> That's hilarious, That's dude. I had no clue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but. Unfortunately, the museum only lasted for eight years, and it closed in 2000. So. I mean, you say only, but for a museum that's <laughs> dedicated to toilet paper, I thought you were going to say, unfortunately, it closed down in eight months. Eight years. That's a pretty yeah. good run for a toilet paper museum. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. yeah, I agree there. Uh, so I some will TV say, guys. I, I'm sorry. Before you jump into that, I will say that I do like – how like the conversation starts off with that typical Seinfeld conversation, but I like from the get-go Jerry's already sort of annoyed with it, and it just it's just a, a, another friend thing. I like the fact that they mm-hmm. can interact even when one of them is annoyed still, and it doesn't last long because that's how friends are. Like especially friends that have been as long and close to them together as they are. I just I like that. It felt very very natural, and of course I think the very beginning of that conversation when they were talking to that guy was the Amish tie-in to the to the stand-up oh, okay. at the beginning. Like, that was the only sort... Oh, no, I think it was Williamsburg. I think it was the Colonial Williamsburg or something. I think that was the only tie-in to that stand-up bit. And maybe Jerry just had that bit written, and they literally added that guy's conversation at the beginning to make the bit sort of tie-in. Yeah, yeah, very possible. Yeah. Uh, totally agree about just, like, the friendship, just the further seeing that friendship with George and Jerry. It's... It, I mean that's this is that's the glue for this show. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Uh, some TV guys come over and they talk to Jerry, uh, basically letting him know, hey, that they want him to pitch them a series. Uh, you know, and as it happens in real life, you know, when you tell people like, oh, I'm going to start pitching ideas uh, to a TV station, a TV network. People start giving you shitty ideas. Very similar to how George talked to uh, George Went and Corbin Bernson uh, a while back. He he can't shut up about bringing up ideas about TV shows. He thinks he's better at everything Hollywood than than real Hollywood is. Yes. Uh, so, well, you know, he. He thinks he's better than Ted Danson, that's for sure. He does, yes, which will <laughs> come to us later. Uh, but he gives some shitty ideas about, like, being a gymnastics teacher, about, you know, or Jerry running an antique store and stupid shit. I mean, granted, a lot of that stuff isn't any more stupid than shit that they actually had on TV. That This is very, very true. And once we get to Kramer's uh, suggestion, I was like, oh, that's Carnival. Um, but uh, real quick, before we move on, did you not recognize one of the two executives, the, the one that was doing the main talking the whole time? Hey, just look like a regular white guy to me. <laughs> <laughs> that was Mr. Kenny from RoboCop, the guy that did uh, that put his gun down and 
still got blown away by Ed 209. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's uh, he's just constantly playing like a TV or like an executive or that he's a businessman kind of dude. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Dude. So yeah, man, yes. I was I was waiting for this uh, this episode to come on, man, just so I could drop that <laughs> knowledge. I love RoboCop, and he has one of the best deaths ever. And when uh, Adam and I were talking offline uh, about uh, another podcast we were working on, uh, director cuts versus non-director cuts. And I mm-hmm. will say, Adam uh, uh, kind of mentioned he doesn't really go towards director cuts. He likes the, the theatrical releases. But I will say, buddy, in the RoboCop director's cut, uh, Mr. Kenny <laughs> gets a whole nother – when he lands on the table, uh, in the theatrical mm-hmm. cut, it kind of stops. Like, at 209 sort of stops when he lands on the table of, of the buildings and stuff. Well, and the kinda, director's kind of realized cut, he got he, enough – he got he, enough shit, like, throw. Like, he got shot up plenty. Yeah, he already had, like, 30 bullets in him. But yeah. Ed 209, like, unloads a whole nother clip on him when he's on oh, that gosh. table and his body's just twitching as chunks are, like, coming out of him. Dude, it's excessive and it's wonderful. But it's good to see Mr. Kenny is back on his feet working yes, for another yeah. company as an executive. <laughs> yes. Um, and a quick plug uh, for the Blast from Our Past podcast. If anybody wants to hear Corey just go on and on about Robocop and then even Robocop 2, go check out Blast from Our Past. <laughs> Corey talked to uh, me and John about Robocop and then just me and Corey talked about Robocop t- Robocop 2. Both of those episodes are honestly fantastic. Uh, <laughs> and it's insane. mostly because of your unadulterated love for that <laughs> film series. <laughs> uh, thank you, buddy. <laughs> Yes. Uh, all right. So we do cut to Kramer and Kramer, you know, he, he also giving ideas. His his idea is about Jerry running a circus and people wanting to see freaks and stuff like that. And you're not wrong. It, it's it's pretty much like Carnival. But now, granted, I don't think, you know, Kramer's vision uh, would be quite the same as what we got, which is apparently a pretty good show from what I've heard. Yeah. But let's just say this is the second idea that Kramer has had that is actually not terrible, kind of like the beach cologne. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right, so Newman comes in, and Jerry says it, man. I think this was the first time. Is it the first time? But it it got no fanfare from the crowd when he said it, though. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't... It wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. I think that's the problem. This was the first... and And he didn't do it super exaggerated. So he says, hello, Newman. Yeah. But he doesn't do it as exaggerated as much of it as it was going to become a thing as it did later. So I think this was just, this was the first one. This, this is it. We saw the beginning of <laughs> the Hello it. Newman. <laughs> I love it. It's great, man. And I knew you'd be happy to see Newman. And I do like oh, in this in this episode, they tone down his mysticalness, I would say. They make him a little bit more grounded as a character, which I think moving forward and how they're going to use him, it makes Newman better. Yeah, uh, I would agree. You know, he's not uh, he's not the love machine that we know later on or whatnot he's pretty normal but he is very um eccentric in this episode and he's he's extra and fuck i love it god damn i love newman i'm too. so happy that we have him i so. do too so he and kramer are doing a trade uh, he's gonna give kramer a motorcycle helmet for a radar detector um just some really good lines in this scene right here um i mean i could go over i could go honestly over all of them like the, the couple ones i want to call out are um you know, are you reneging? Is that is that a reneg? Are you reneging? Like the way that Kramer, the way that their relationship is so fucking good. I, I love know. Kramer and Newman, and every time they're on screen together, because um, they're just they're just as much as Jerry and George are like children, and they're a lot like children. So are Kramer and Newman. Now, granted, they they haven't known each other in that same, so they don't have that same 
kind of vibe that George and Jerry have, but they also just act like kids right here, especially you're doing a little trade, like a bullshit little like kid style trade. Yeah. yeah. And Jerry has to step in <laughs> and, uh, you know, and actually perform it and, and hand, you know, Kramer the helmet and, and uh, Newman, the the uh, radar detector, and he's just like, "Here you go, idiots!" And just idiots. <laughs> love it. And I love how again, this is another moment where you know Newman tells Jerry something, mm-hmm. and he's like, mm-hmm. "Don't tell Kramer." And right when Kramer walks in, Jerry tells him because Jerry he hates Newman no matter what. Like, why yeah. is Newman always think Jerry is going to take his side? Like yeah. in that episode with George when they're in the hallway, when he's like, when Jerry's like, "George, turn around." <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. But he kind of does. He's, he's like, you know, he thinks that. And I love that Jerry just immediately throws you know, him he's under trying the to bus. help his buddy. Yep. <laughs> immediately. Exactly. So. But, dude, I'm, I'm with you. And honestly, the, the funny thing is the only two notes I have for this scene are Kramer's idea was good, t- dash carnival. And then, all, and then the final note for this scene was fantastic scene. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't even take it a note. Fantastic. I was just watching it. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this scene right here. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's got some great moments. I mean, and, and it all kind of comes to a nice little bow at the end where, you know, you know Jerry's worried about this all being a bullshit crappy deal. Um, and, and, you know, Kramer, if we find out at the end that Kramer is really making the good call because J- the little bow, the little extra little thing on t- at the end, Jerry's like, does this thing work? And he's like, nah. <laughs> and, and Newman's already walked off with it by that point. And it's just like. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that's when I wrote it. I was like, that is just great writing. And I'll say it like at the top, this this episode isn't as mystical as or isn't as like as crazy as that one episode from last season that has like all the tie ups. But yeah. this one, every scene has awesome little tie ups in it and awesome mm-hmm. like little callbacks. It's it's basically what they did. They took like what they did in, in that one episode before for a whole thing and just broke it down in a bunch of little like boom, 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 boom. And this just it goes so fast and so furious and there's nothing wasted on the screen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so at, uh, monks, George and Jerry give us some explanation about Elaine being away. Apparently she's with, uh, her shrink. Um, we know you mentioned earlier that, uh, this was during a time where she was actually pregnant. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is when, uh, her, the actress is, is pregnant yeah. at this point. So they, she wasn't on the, the first two parter, uh, two part episodes and now she, they're kind of slowly bringing her in. So, yeah, apparently, yeah, she's involved with her shrink in there. She's on vacation with him or whatever. Um, And so, yeah, we're at Monk's. And then we dive into this classic discussion about salsa. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. This this discussion is like the one they always lead off on on clip shows. Like this is this is Seinfeld at its perfect perfectness honestly this whole episode is signed this whole two-parter is seinfeld at it's like perfect perfectness but like yeah this this little salsa uh, diatribe thing is fantastic it is it is something that it's not every time i eat salsa i think of this but it's maybe the majority <laughs> of times I eat salsa. Or, or if i'm at a mexican restaurant and they put the chips and the bowl of salsa in there like if i'm eating with someone who i know who appreciates Seinfeld, I'll start going into that. <laughs> if, if not, I'm thinking it hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If not, I'm thinking it, baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they go through everything just because it's fun to say salsa. salsa. Like, that is great delivery. The salsa, salsa. How could you say, you can say salsa? I said salsa. Salsa, salsa. I mean, yeah, it's it's nonsense. It's nothing. It's stupid. It makes It's worthless, 
of conversation, but it is fucking hilarious. It's gold, Corey. I know. And I I love the fact that this this is this episode and the next one they're just a perfect example of what they're going to try to be pitching this mm-hmm. is the nothing show but yeah. like if this episode was like written as poorly as like the trip was it wouldn't land but they have to land it like they have to land this because they're showing you how the inception was made and obviously i you know I think everyone kind of knows it, but just to kind of put it out there, clearly this is based on the real sort of how Jerry and and, uh, Mm -hmm. um, Larry David sort of pitched to NBC. There's a lot of uh, NBC inside jokes. That Kenny guy was supposed to, the Kenny, Mr. Kenny from Robocop, kind of looks like the the head of uh, NBC at the time and stuff, and that was on purpose. They cast him. They actually made him act like the head of NBC at the time. And Mm. then George absolutely is like Larry David and how he sort of, you know, it became a part of this whole thing with Jerry and stuff. It's it's all, but it works because it's like, you know, write about what you know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's writing 101, write about what you know. And I think the reason this thing works so well is because this is all the crap that happened to, to Larry and Jerry, basically. Yeah. I mean, this stuff is it's great writing. It's, we, we, everybody knows this is so meta. And one of the, one of the great, I, I think, storylines throughout quite a bit of Seinfeld is kicked off with this this episode right here. You know, between this, the NBC pilot that keeps kind of coming back once every season or something like that, they kind of keep bringing it back. Or, you know, starting the, you know, Susan comes back again, like, you know, last in, later in the next season or something. I can't remember whenever she kind of comes back into George's life and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it all kind of starts here where the show about nothing, it really, really becomes a show about nothing when they get so fucking meta that they're talking about Oh, look how much of a nothing show we are. We're talking about us being a show about nothing. Yeah. I think that's what makes it genius. Yeah. So. And uh, I was watching the, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. And when Jason Alexander was was talking about these episodes, you got to keep in mind, he's like, at this point in time with, with this two-parter and everything, they weren't the mega, mega hit that mm-hmm. they were. I think, I think season, I think the end of season four going into season five is when they like blew up to mega status. Like at this point they yeah, were in pretty maybe. big status, but like they so George thought, I'm sorry, Jason Alexander thought mm-hmm. they were kind of <laughs> jumping the shark with this and they were kind of mm. being too meta, but then he's like he's like immediately I I realized I was wrong. So, you know, yeah. he just like went with it. But at first he was like, ah, "Are we jumping the shark here with this, you know?" Mm-hmm. And cuz he he also said he because he felt like it was a little bit unrelatable to the average person to be pitching an idea to, you know, but I think that's where I do think that's where George comes into play in this episode. Episode. Like he is the he's the everyman, right? <laughs> yeah. Of of a story, you, you know. You see a movie like uh, any movie, um, like the Hellboy. You know, there's there's always a character that's the everyman that goes has to go into the situation to kind of be the interpreter for the for the audience. And I think George was it for for here, which is probably how Larry David really felt when he was pitching to execs. Well, say, if George if George is our everyman, then we're all fucked. Yeah, that's I want to. Say. <laughs> that's so, true. Uh, but the salsa seltzer conversation gets George obviously into the whole idea you know obviously yeah we just kind of mentioned it you know that's that's what the show should be about i mean i love that he brings up a call back you know, oh you know we waited in line at the chinese restaurant uh and that could be a show and of course it is a show it's meta it's caught right it's awesome <laughs> it's us <laughs> it's us so um 
you know, it just talks about everything. You know, people in his in Jerry's lives could be part of the show. And, and of course, you know, George wants to be in on it. He wants he wants a piece of this pie. Absolutely. Actually, and real quick, real quick, he definitely just inserted himself into the situation right then and oh, yeah. there. And I do always say that I love Jerry's like laid back attitude about things, but man, he I feel like Jerry needs a more of a hands on manager. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. His friends kind of. You know, roll over him a couple times. Yeah. And George, you know, when George gets fixated on something, it's hard to pull him off. Mm-hmm. So she said. Yeah, hey lame. <laughs> uh, all right, at the uh, at Jerry's apartment, Kramer, you know, is upset. He he uh, he doesn't like the idea of a character being based on him, um, and you know, the only way that he'll accept it is if he plays Kramer. Which I love. I mean, again, this is something that they continue with later down that we're that we're gonna see. You know much later in this in the show um where he's you know going to uh try out for the ep- for the show and things like that i do love that jerry says you can't do this you can't act and we had just seen kramer in la trying to act which I is know. funny and which is that gave that little interaction a little bit of added oomph to it because when mm-hmm. we when i would watch this episode out of place i mean you know i knew about the trip i knew that you know about the these pretzels are making me thirsty but the fact that kramer just came back from wanting to be an actor i was like oh that that comment really stung and, and <laughs> dug in deep you know and it made yeah. much more sense now to it made more sense that Kramer would think that that he should play himself. Like before, mm-hmm. when I would watch that, I'd be like, "Oh, Kramer's just being Kramer." Now I'm like, yeah. "Oh, that's actually legit because he wanted to be an actor." Yeah, yeah, agreed. So, uh... so, so, what I'm saying is, <laughs> I love the fact that we sat through an hour of that shit of the trip to get just a little bit of a better. No, I'm just kidding. I am not glad. I hate that was sarcasm. I fucking still hate <laughs> the trip. And uh, but it is nice that it gave a little bit of a kernel, just a kernel yes. of an extra addedness. Because you know we sat through it. At least we got something from it. Yeah, it took the next episode to do it. Dude, so. if I never watch the trip again ever in my life, I will be okay with that. Those are the two episodes of Seinfeld yeah. I will be okay if I never, ever see again. Yeah, I, I can't even – I think I – what did I give him? A, a half a star and a one star? It was, I was I was not uh, nice to those episodes. <laughs> we were not kind to those episodes. No. Uh, all right, but who I am kind to because I love him to death, Newman. And Newman comes in. His uh, radar detector wasn't working. Uh, he got pulled over. Um, you know, I just love this interaction. I kind of already made a reference to it earlier <laughs> where, you know, Newman, I mean, <sighs> Newman does just such a good job of going from like zero to 60 or zero to a hundred, you know, and, and Wayne Knight, just the way that he kind of gets his voice and I can't, I, I don't even want to pretend to do it or what, just like the way he gets kind of yelly, but just, oh, it's so fun. It's, um, he just gets but so he wa- excited. And, yeah. <laughs> but he wants Kramer to pay for the ticket and, you know, return the helmet. And uh, Kramer's response is so good. Uh, yeah. You better think again, Mojumbo. <laughs> what a good line. What the fuck is a Mojumbo? I don't know, man. But when I was in middle school, I called people Mojumbos because of this. <laughs> yeah, it's a great comeback. You have no idea what it is. I tried looking it up. It's on Urban Dictionary. It's like, oh, just a coworker or something like that. It's nothing particular. Yeah. Um, but it's just just random. But it, it fits so well with Newman. Mm-hmm. For whatever it is, calling like an overweight person a Mojumbo I think just kind of works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Newman yeah. looks like a Mojambo. <laughs> he totally looks like a Mojambo. So, 
uh, at NBC. George. Oh no! Wait! Oh no! My my favorite line is when Newman's like, "Yes, there. You know, nothing will happen, but there is such a thing as karma, Kramer." And I love how Jerry's like, "Karma, Kramer." <laughs> I knew you were going to say something. I started to write the comment. like I was like, and I just wrote Karma Kramer to try to remind myself. And then I was like, you know what? I didn't think that was all that funny. But I just knew I had a, a tinge in my head. I was like, I bet Corey loves this shit. Is this the kind of comedy you like and I just don't really care for? No, I, I get it. And it's I think it's it's uh, reaction comedy because yeah. it's, it's Jerry isn't a part of the conversation, but he overhears it. And he's like, what? Karma Kramer? He's like, I, I love that. I'd I never like give it. a shit about car, uh, reaction comedy. But I but in those kind of things, you've called out multiple yeah. times these types of things where I've skipped the note or I've kind of gloss over it quickly. But it is funny. I mean, this show works on different comedy levels with yeah. different types of styles. Exactly. And that's that's what is fan-fucking-tastic about it. <laughs> so, uh, And that's right. what's great about Cartwright because we're coming at the comedy from yeah. two different angles too. Yeah. We're coming. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I knew I was going to go. <laughs> I was going to go somewhere. <laughs> But I'm going to stop. All right. Uh, do I have permission to go on to NBC scene now? Uh, let me check my notes. Any yeah, more you're good. You're good. Okay. <laughs> so uh, at NBC, George is super nervous. Uh, Jerry sees this guy he knows, Joe DiVola, um, and he apparently goes to the same crink shrink as Elaine. Uh, he's a he's a strange cat, that Joe DiVola. Dude, uh, he is one of my favorite Seinfeld characters. This is crazy Joe DiVola. Love him. I mean, he's definitely that kind of guy who has no social interaction skills. I mean, he comes across serial killer-ish and, and I mean, every scene, like, that's, I mean, that's his whole shtick yeah. is, uh, yeah, he's like a serial killer. Now, um, I will say, uh, in this interaction that he has with Jerry, which is is fun, uh, I did notice that he had a wedding band on his finger. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. interesting because he's going to date Elaine later. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah. Look at you. Weird, all huh? Right. <laughs> Weird what we it pick is. up on. <laughs> yeah. So Kramer had mentioned this party earlier that he's throwing. Uh, and so Jerry, assuming that, you know, he that Kramer knows Joe Deville as well, assuming that he was invited, brings it up, but apparently he was not invited, and he's all upset and kind of storms off. That's a faux pas right there, baby. Yep. Uh, as he leaves, Jerry says, uh, give my best to Hinckley, uh, <laughs> which is a, a nice little reference to John Hinckley, who uh, tried to kill Reagan. So obviously another, like... Uh, you know, sociopath kind of guy. Yeah. And the only thing I thought that was kind of cool with, with, you know, before they bump into Joe Devola, when Jer uh, George is like nervous out of his, out of his mind. Um, I like what his rationale was. He's like, these are men with suits, Jerry. So, you know, like basically like, I don't have that. They're better than me because yeah, I mean, they have jobs, yeah, you know, exactly. and, and George has nothing, but I just love the fact that his barometer is these are men with suits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so they go into the pitch meeting, and the chat, you know, at first starts to go pretty well. Uh, you know, I do like uh, Russell asks George what he has he written, and so now he has to bullshit some things. And great, you know, just more of that George and Jerry antagonizing friendship. J anytime George does some bullshit, Jerry kind of like pokes in, oh, oh, really? What about this? Tell me about that part. <laughs> and that's exactly what he does here with his... Uh, uh, you know, I don't even remember what the fuck his pitch was about the 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 off off Broadway show. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> uh, La Cocina. <laughs> yeah, about the guy who's making tamales. <laughs> yeah, Pepe, Pepe making the tamales. Pepe, yeah, 
<laughs> I love it, man. I love their antagonistic relationship because I do think at the end of the day, Jerry jabbing George makes George a quicker bullshitter. Like he he yep. makes he makes him a stronger bullshitter because he makes him have to work harder for it. And I like that. I like that Jerry just won't let anything fucking slide, man. Yeah, very true. Uh, all right, so. George eventually gets to that pitch and he does talk about a show about nothing and Russell and the execs are not impressed. Uh, so it does, it doesn't really go well. Um, I, I got to call, I love the line, you know, where Russell's like, you know, why am I watching it? And George, who just, his whole mentality is, well, because it's on TV and Russell very quickly is like, not yet. <laughs> just yeah. like, this is, he just kind of shuts him down. He's a man with a suit and a job, and George is nothing. Like yes. that's that is that. <laughs> Absolutely, so. and and we've said it before. I've said it before, but I think you agree. Cocky George is my least favorite George. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's fun to see him getting shot down. Yes, right here yep. by yep. people who know their shit, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he knows nothing. <laughs> like you said, by people in suits. Yeah. Uh, all right, so George uh, tries to play it tough here, and <laughs> he walks out, which uh, really doesn't come across well. Jerry, not so much. <laughs> he kind of slinks away. <laughs> or he tries to pitch him other shit, yeah. and yeah, not really working. So um, at Monk's, Jerry is chastising George for just being George. You know, being cocky George, he's, he knows that he fucked up. So uh, George does mention that, oh, I, I thought the woman there was kind of cute, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, I mean, yes, we're going to see her some more on this episode. And even they kind of like, you know, start somewhat dating in this episode. But just because we know the whole future of Susan and what she becomes and how that whole storyline <laughs> wraps up, I just love it. I love seeing her introduction. Um, so I don't know. I just like seeing those little things that like, you know, rewatching it, even though I've seen this a, a bajillion times. I just get a little smile when he says a comment like that because I'm like, I know where this goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. I know where this is heading. <laughs> mm. And it's not good. No. Fucking stamps, baby. <laughs> it's going to stamps. <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So the uh George and Jerry, I don't know, they're just they're just kind of being them and they go fight over trying to get to the phone. Yeah. Uh, oh, because he's got to tell uh, he's got to yeah. tell Kramer about uh, crazy Joe Duvall and George wants to George. go call Susan yeah. uh, before she leaves or something. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we then get a quick random scene. I kind of forgot that we even got Elaine in this episode, uh, but we do get a quick scene of her and her therapist yeah. who uh, are just, you know, on some stage somewhere but they're supposed to be wherever they're supposed to be it looked really out of place <laughs> dude did you notice that in the giant like i don't know if that was a psych or a seam or whatever in the background of paris there's like a line right through the middle of it where like <laughs> it, the, the tower and everything and i'm like oh my oh. god it was i mean it is so like tv show bad but uh her therapist dude that i've seen that guy in like a gazillion horror movies and shit yeah. i mean that guy is like all over the place but then when I looked on his IMDb, there was like no one thing that I was like, oh, him. But mm. I just every time I see him, I'm always like, oh, that fucking guy. And I yeah. always felt like he was a little bit out of place this season as, as an actor okay. in that role. I always thought he was a little bit out of place. I'd agree. I mean, he is kind of like an intense yeah. B-movie character actor kind of look to him. Yeah. And I've definitely, same with you, seen him in other stuff. Yeah, he, he's, he and and he looks a little bit old for her, but yeah, whatever. Well, we know, not not as old as she, that's, you know, yeah, has done. <laughs> yeah, that's true, very true. So, uh, Yankee beans, Yankee, <laughs> I love my. All right, sorry. 
Uh, <laughs> Who put cookies in his mouth? You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> uh, all right. So, but basically, the, the the this scene and a scene later with uh, Elaine and the therapist just really is only meant to reinforce Joe Devola is crazy. And right, he's legitimately and got to, some problems, and to bring Julie Louise Dreyfus in. Well, to, yes. yeah. Which man? Can I just say it right now? I, I love Elaine. I, I always love Elaine. I did not feel like she was missed during these two episodes at all. No. I felt like she was more missed in the trip, but uh, yeah. uh, not these. And I was like, ooh, that made me actually like kind of wonder, you know, a little bit. But I do still love her character and everything. I yeah. love what she brings. But I was she like, adds huh. a whole bunch. Yeah, I agree. But, she adds a whole bunch. Um, but I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, where if they cut those scenes, I I mean, yes, I would have lost a little bit of not seeing her, but no big deal. I would have lost a little bit of that um, that extra fear of Joe Devola that we mm. get. But overall, I don't think it really would have lost too much from the show if mm. they just cut those scenes. We didn't have her at all. You know, I mean, kind of similar enough how we talked about in the, the limo. Yeah. Where if it was just George and, and Jerry in the Nazi limo the entire time. I'd have still been really okay. Or if Jerry and or Elaine and Kramer just popped in and they stayed in the limo. God, I really want to remake that episode and not leave the limo once. <laughs> right, dude. Like, <laughs> seriously, I'm I am completely with you. And it makes me, you know, kind of wish that the show didn't have that mandate moving forward that all mm-hmm. four characters had to be on there. I wish we could occasionally get episodes that were just, you know, one-offs with, like, two characters yeah. together. Maybe, like, Kramer and Elaine, just one episode. Mm-hmm. Just, just for the shits and grins of it um but yeah yeah exactly but but it doesn't happen a lot but like with the limo and here when they have to try to force the characters into it it's it feels a little forced sometimes yeah absolutely agreed uh all right so at the apartment jerry tells kramer about devola so he's obviously worried but uh george and susan then walk in he's got like oh that's about to have some good news we can tell um and then we get just a I don't know, a great scene. Before we go any further, <laughs> Jerry gets a phone call, and I'm going to let you take this. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, my God, dude. This is one of the best bits that they've done mm-hmm. on the show ever, but he grabs the phone, and he's like, somebody's you know, sell, telling him something. He's like, I can't talk now. Can I call you back at home? And the guy's like, well, no, you, you, you can't. Jerry's like, why not? He's like, we're, we're not allowed to do that. He's like, oh, would you not? You don't want people calling you at home? Well, now you know how we feel. Boom, hangs up. Gets the biggest roar that we've ever had on mm-hmm. Seinfeld. And you and I normally hate those roars, but this time I thought yeah. it was absolutely warranted and at the time when this show came out, it was so topical, right? Like mm-hmm. now you have your caller ID. You don't have to pick up. You know, Even even now uh, iPhones have the default feature where if the phone – if the number's not in your phone, it goes right to voicemail. So you don't even have to get bothered, but not back in 92, man. This was yep. so like in your fucking face to all the telemarketers <laughs> out there. You know what I mean? Like seriously. I'm with you. I agree. I usually don't love the cheers, but it, it, do, it does not bother me one Mm-mm. iota. Yeah, because I felt like – I felt like unlike some cheers where you feel like it's the light coming on saying, hey, someone out there kind of telling people Mm -hmm. to cheer. I felt like that was genuinely the audience's reaction to that bit. Like that was Mm -hmm. an earned cheer. Yep, absolutely. Uh, All right. So real quick, I'm sorry, but let's before because it's it's when Susan first comes in. on the behind the scenes for this, they were talking to the actress who played Susan. She goes, oh, she she says, she goes, I, 
when I first, on this episode, I made the mistake, I kind of overheard, I got in my head, I thought that I was going to be this season the girlfriend of Kramer and not George. So she was like, so when I, my character meets Kramer, you can see that I was like, oh, hi, because she <laughs> thought, and she was like, and she was like, you know, obviously she read the script. She was like, I guess it's weird that like, you know, I'm going to be his boyfriend or his girlfriend later, even though he threw up on me. But she was like, eh, you know, well, stranger things have happened was like her rationale. But if you go and watch it, she gives Kramer this, this like kind of like flirty high. And the funny thing hmm. is, I watched that making of after I watched the episode and I was, I cued in on that 40. I was like, she was a hmm. little 40 to Kramer, but I only took it as that was just Kramer's mojo, which we know comes up yeah. later. I thought that Gavorka. was just Kramer's mojo, but, but apparently that was the actress thinking that she was going to be the girlfriend of Kramer and not George. Interesting that she kind of, I wonder how she got that idea. Maybe she was just trying to tap into the writer's minds or something. No, no, she said she just over, like, got it in her head okay. and overheard someone say. She thought they said Kramer, but they said George. She just, she said she just, like, got okay. it in her head. And it, but, like, got you know it. how shit gets, like, sort of when it gets in your head, it just gets fixated and you sort of, yes. yeah, it was one of those things. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, as you mentioned before, Kramer drinks some bad milk. <laughs> he throws up all over Susan, uh, which does not bode well for the show. <laughs> For their <laughs> No. Uh, at Monk's, George and Jerry are kind of sad about the situation. Uh, Kramer comes in and we find out that crazy Joe Devola had just kicked him in the head. Luckily, he was wearing the helmet that he traded with Newman, uh, which ended up saving his life. Mm-hmm. Good little scene. I, I, I liked it. like that. Uh, poor Kramer got kicked in the head. I wonder if that's going to you know cause any issues. It will. <laughs> All right. But uh, for now, we get a stand-up about vomiting on someone. Yeah, and this one's perfectly timed. He's like, uh, when you vomit on someone, it really is a social faux pas from which there is no recovery. He's like, uh, there's there's little you can say to a person. There's no Hallmark card that, like, covers this occasion, you know? He's like, uh, you know, you wear it well. Uh, next time, lunch is on me. He's like, there's just no way to phrase it. And he does a great job delivering this joke and i think this was a good one i think it was a, a nice little fun little stand-up right there yep i don't agree. I, I thought this was okay or, or more than okay it was it was humorous yeah I chuckle i chuckle, <laughs> I chuckle. <laughs> so uh all right we come back and we're at the apartment uh kramer comes in and his pants are half on his face is half shaved oh. he is obviously just something's fucked up with him uh that <laughs> kick really did something to him so I do love George then comes in uh, with dry with a dry cleaning bill from Susan and a great single line from Jerry where, uh, you know, they're talking about vomit on on his on her on her vest. And he's like, can you get vomit out of suede? <laughs> uh, whatever it is, I always liked that line. It's just kind of a, a, a random, almost throwaway line. But I always thought it was hilarious to I, me. And it's and it's funny how we sort of key into things because me and you, you can attest to this because I almost <laughs> always answer the damn phone like this. Yep. But I always say, yo, yo, ma, whenever I say hi to yep. somebody, especially if I know that, you know, Seinfeld, I'll say it to you. If, if, you, if I know you don't, I kind of hold back on it. But every time like like Adam and I do a Skype call right when I answer, yes. I'm like, yo, yo, ma. And this Every is it, time. guys. This is it. It hasn't gotten old at all, everybody. <laughs> but yeah, so the Yo-Yo Ma comes out of nowhere after like or in the middle of that conversation about, you know, the dry cleaner stuff. And it's like, whoa, what the hell? What is this? Mm-hmm. But yes, of course, whenever I hear it, I now mostly think of you because every time you answer Skype for us to do this, it's always Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> it's always. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't not. I don't know how. Yeah. 
So, you're like you're like shoot me, just shoot me. It, no, <laughs> we, yeah, have I mean, like, I, we have like five more seasons. Just shoot me, guys. But now. I, but I, <laughs> <laughs> just shoot me. Let's talk about that. Do you <laughs> like David one. Spade? <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that show. <laughs> uh, I I've seen I've seen a couple episodes, but it's not one that I really remember. I, now, if we're talking news radio, uh, I, that's what I would love to talk about. I ooh. love news radio. Ooh, I would uh, maybe you know what we we always kind of. Uh, bounce around the idea of like what we're going to do after this uh news radio wouldn't be a bad one buddy i'd love yeah. that one too yeah i know you're you kind of are angling for night court which is a good one a good one but uh i don't know we'll see or yeah. we can just do curb we'll figure it out who knows what the hell <laughs> okay. we're gonna do we got we um, got the time guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so uh kramer also just in his weird is off headness he answers the phone speaking in like this bastardized italian or whatever he's just doing gibberish yeah and the subtitles the subtitle says speaking italian was he actually speaking italian i have no idea i just assumed it was gibberish me too i i did too other than the fact that my subtitle said speaking italian yeah, speak italian. <laughs> yeah i knew it was some kind of i just assumed bastardized italian so um but jerry eventually gets the 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 phone away from Kramer and uh, it's a call for him. They're going to have, they want another meeting about the show. Mm-hmm. All right. This is exciting. So, uh, wait, here, wait, George... wait, wait, he tells, uh, Kramer to go lay down. You're not supposed to do that with somebody with a concussion. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I, I forgot about that. I, I just, that one didn't click. I was probably writing my note. When you I know. That. I know. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. But I was like, I was like, no, Jerry, you're going to kill him. Don't. Yeah. No, I think actually that's all BS Corey. I'm oh. pretty sure sleep is, Actually, the best thing after a concussion. Oh, I thought you—I thought you weren't supposed to go to sleep after a concussion. I think—I think that's a myth. Okay, well, guys and gals out there, let us know. <laughs> yeah, because I don't really—I'm not really sure. You're not really sure. Um, okay. But I thought I remember hearing that. Oh yeah, no, that's BS. Like, if you go and sleep, because that's where the, where the brain can like heal best. Because um, you're not doing anything else. So I think. Okay. All right. Do uh, do do do. Do you think we elicit any doctors out there who actually listen to our show? Any smart people actually listen to our show? Or are there are they all Mojambos out there <laughs> listening to us? I don't know. All, all of our fans are Mojambos. <laughs> and Yo-Yo Ma's. Yeah. No way. He was actually a world-class cellist. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, all right. So... You're like, where the fuck are we? Where the fuck am I? Okay. Uh, so here, right, you know, right after they get another meeting, George starts making the Ted uh, Ted dancing comparisons. He's like, oh, I wonder, you know, oh, we're going to get this uh, pilot. We're going to get so much money. I wonder how much Ted Danson makes. And he compares himself to Ted Danson, who at this time, Ted Danson was huge because of Cheers. Was Cheers still on in the ninth? Like, when did Cheers? He, like, I, 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 believe, would... I believe it finished in 92. Oh, and, and I think, and so Jerry makes the thing about the, the comment about, um, um, Ted Danson's hair being a, a hair piece. I all are not. I mean, I remember uh, Cheers, but the only specific mm-hmm. thing I remember from Cheers is the finale when he takes off his his hair piece in the finale. Uh, so I think it, I think it probably happened around so when this episode came out. No, it's actually ninety three. Oh no, when shit. Cheers okay. ended. Okay, so yeah, so no, so they still had some time. I didn't know. I didn't know that that was a piece. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a piece. I never really watched Cheers. Yeah, huh. and, and that was, like, a big deal back in the early 90s, whether Ted Danson hair was a piece or not, because, I mean, that's just, that was the gossip stuff back then, you know? Like, uh, what was Ted Danson doing on Cheers? Yeah. Man, now I'm going to look up Ted Danson hair piece. I just, I just had no idea. <laughs> I Honestly, I fell in love with Ted, old Ted Danson, um, bored to death Ted Danson on HBO. That's where I kind of like re-fell in love with him. I think he's all, have you ever seen bored to death with, uh, Jason Schwartz? You what? 
No, I have not. Okay, yeah. It's fun, guys and gals out there. It, it, definitely check it out. It's only like eight episodes a season, you know, 30 minutes a pop. It's it's super easy to, to burn through. But Ted Danson is fantastic in it. And it's like, it's his pre-Good Place Ted Danson. It's kind of like where, where old Good Place Ted Danson sort of got his start. Okay. See, I've probably seen Ted Danson most on Curb Your Enthusiasm because he's quite humorous on that. Him and... um. Uh, Mary, I uh, cannot remember her last name, but his wife on that show, maybe in real, I think in real life too, um, are on there and they're good friends of Larry David. And so it's just funny knowing, I guess, how much they're bringing up Ted Danson here. And I assume Larry David's already friends with him or something. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, damn it, I lost my spot again. Okay. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, so they, they, George and Jerry head out. Um, Jerry throws out a, uh, on the walk, you know, they're heading towards NBC or whatever. He throws out this watch that's kind of been slow that his parents gave him. Uh, he runs into Uncle Leo. Hello! Hello! Uh, you know, yeah, Uncle Leo, you got to say hello. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo rambles and rambles, and Jerry has to cut him short and leave. And, uh, you know, of course, Leo being Leo, he sees this watch in the on the trash can or in the trash can, and he picks it up, and he walks off with it. Yep. There we go. And we'll, that, that'll, you know, later. Yes, they exactly. We will come back to that later. Um, let's see. I think do we do it? We don't come back to that later on this episode, though, right? No, not this episode. No. That that comes. Yeah. I think later this season. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. Because um, I do. Re- yeah, I do remember they note they noticed the watch. The parents, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, et cetera. because it's uh, what did Jerry say? It's always like ten minutes uh, late Lit behind. Slow, or yeah, behind or something. You know. Yeah. Well, that's nice. So they're setting us up for something down the line, which yeah. is good. Yeah. So after Leo takes the watch, uh, Newman. Gets Kramer to to use uh, him to try and get out of his ticket. So he's Kramer Newman. He's coming up with one of his many Newman schemes that we're going to see multiple times. Particularly Newman and Kramer are intertwined with scheming, and I love that. And this is one of the earlier parts that we see that in the series, and we're just going to get much more of that. You know, coming on obviously with the male, um, you know, doing the bottles, uh, bottle cap, bottle returns and shit like that later it truly feels like they finally honed in on something for kramer to do outside Mm -hmm. of like jerry george and elaine Uh, obviously we know that that happened in the boyfriend episode with with newman and uh kramer and whatnot but i feel like this is the solidification of that like sort of relationship moving forward even though it's not the first time this is sort of like what the template is going to be moving forward and i love it i love having kramer something different for him to do and and i don't feel like they ever overdo one or the other like newman doesn't ever overstay his welcome welcome as far as like storylines go but it's fun to see basically the 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 template starting here I would agree. That's exactly the perfect way to put it. You know, we've had Newman before, and he's awesome before, but this is the start of the template, and this is, you know, probably honestly my favorite Newman that I've seen so far. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then we get a stand-up about helmets. <laughs> yeah, this and this one's another one that I enjoyed. He goes, uh, there are many things you can point to to prove that humans are not smart. And he's like, but, uh, but my personal favorite is that we had to invent the helmet. You know, what happened is apparently we were involved in a lot of activities that were cracking our heads. We chose not to avoid these activities, but instead to create a device that helps us continue enjoying our head-cracking lifestyles. He did, uh, I liked his wordplay on this 
this one. It was very uh, mm-hmm. limerick or, or lyrical. Um, he's yeah. like, the helmet. And he's like, and that didn't help, so we came up with the helmet law, which is even stupider. The idea behind the helmet law is, pres- is to preserve a brain whose judgment is so poor it doesn't even try to stop the cracking of the head it's in. I yeah. love every bit of that stand-up. And it is, it is so true. It's just like, oh, wait, we're not smart enough. People are not smart enough to know to stop doing this dumb stuff that you'll probably you could die from. And then then they have to be told to wear a helmet because it's safer. It's just like, wow, we are kind of dumb. It kind of just proves. Yeah, we're kind of dumb. Yeah, yeah no, the, he was of all the stand ups. This one is so on the money. I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. What's up, guys? I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And we are the ongoing comic book discussion podcast, the place where one guy and one gal dive into the world of comic books one adventure at a time. That's right. You can find us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of your favorite podcatchers. So come check out OCD Podcasts, where comic books are cool. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. And now, back to the show. All right, so at NBC, Jerry is worried about Leo being upset. He kind of goes off into a, I don't know, a comic, uh, really almost like a stand-up thing about how his family is just one of those kind of people that you cannot walk away from. Uh, you know, you could be a firefighter on the way to a fire, and they'll just be like, oh, fine, why are you why are you leaving to go go to your important fire? I thought it was funny. I mean, that could totally be a, it's a great stand-up bit on its own. Uh, so then they go off into the meeting. Um, we're going to have some intercut stuff between the meeting and the courthouse, so I'm kind of just going to jump back and forth, which I think works well. You know, we're getting we're getting the culmination of the two kind of quote-unquote schemes going on. We got Kramer and, and uh, Newman's thing happening, and 
George and Jerry's and I'm okay with it being cut in between. I don't need it to be one. And then the other, we're kind of getting, we're just seeing them simultaneously. (laughs) And I'm okay with you calling George and Jerry's pitch about a show about nothing, a scheme. (laughs) (laughs) It is a scheme. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So. No, I, I got you, buddy. Yeah, my my notes are like NBC slash courthouse. NBC slash, you know, yeah. I, I had to keep going back and forth on it. So at the courthouse, Newman and Kramer are they're they're trying to prep themselves up, and they're thinking about this awful story about why he would want to kill himself because that's the whole reason Newman said he was rushing uh, was trying to help his buddy who wanted to kill himself, and that's why he was speeding so much, and so he should get out of it. Which is um, ironic because the the way we met Newman was him trying to kill himself. He, Yes, very true. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was the very I mean, we, that was before when he was uh, voiced by Larry David way back, uh, and yeah, he was up on the roof. Yep, yep. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> oh, I didn't think. I love that. Um, but they come up with this idea that Kramer wanted to be a banker and he could never be a banker, and so this is what I mean. This is just this. This goes this time not to the mysticism, but to the ridiculousness <laughs> yes. of, of their relationship and them in general. And I do like that. Yeah, I, you're right. I I feel like they took out the mysticalness of Newman and then just upped the ridiculousness of it. And mm-hmm. I I'm happy with the choices that they made with his character. Yep. yep. All right. So in the meeting, um, George, he's back to being confident. George, uh, he says this line that just shuts everybody up where they're talking about story, and he's like, "Oh no, you have to have a story. You have to have a good story. Otherwise, it's just masturbation." <laughs> and Ju- Jerry's face, looking at him, is just like, "Are you?" fucking kidding me <laughs> yeah i mean uh george yeah george is just trying to get them tossed out again so um but uh, you know they're they're obviously very flexible on the whole no story thing right now uh but you know just there's some good discussions with all of them um we go back to the courtroom scene and my note god i love newman <laughs> that's what i'm this scene and and this is a great newman scene just the all the courthouse stuff um him, he's kind of like got the whole old timey lawyer kind of look to him that he's got with like the suspenders and the plain white uh, button down and whatnot and his tie. And he's just. <sighs> Wasn't he in JFK, the movie? Wasn't he like play a lawyer in that, I thought, or something? I'd... I've honestly never seen JFK. N- me neither. So let's just move on then from this <laughs> from this point here. <laughs> which would be even funnier because he was a part of the Zabruder film stuff, which is all the JFK thing. Yeah, that's, so, I, I, yeah. I thought he was I thought he was in JFK, the movie. And then I thought I because I felt like this was a bit like of a parody of his character in that. But I I am not 100 percent there. Um, but yeah, we get some good interaction with uh, Newman and Kramer being messed up in the head. He yells out another yo-yo ma uh, at uh, perfectly wrong time, (laughs) things like that. And you know I enjoyed that. Yes, of course. Uh, So George and Jerry, you know, they get their pitch approved. Hey, that's exciting for them. Jerry gets a call. His mom complains about him being rude to Leo. Ha ha. I'm glad that it comes back. Like, that is good writing. We didn't need to see his mom. I wouldn't have minded seeing his mom there and just cut to her saying it. Um, Like, why did you have to leave Leo? Why did you, you know, something like that. Because I'm like, man, I miss the Seinfeld. Yeah, I do too. I love her. And, and so, like, I just knew in my head that that was her. And I was like, ah. Yeah. I miss, I miss we haven't her. seen him in a while, though. So I'm like, I'm I'm itching for him right now. You are you know what? That's a really good point. And it kind of didn't hit me until just now you saying it. I am, I am ready for some Seinfelds. Yeah. 
Yeah, so let's hope we get them soon. Uh, George is upset. Uh, he gives Susan some money for, you know, the the, uh, the vomit, dry cleaner stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and then she finally accepts the money after initially being like, oh, it's no big deal. He insists. And then George is like being, God damn it, George. He's like annoyed that she takes the money. I do like Jerry calls him out for it. Uh, he's like, you, you said it, buddy. You insisted. And then... Uh, I do find it also kind of humorous that George then is like, maybe this is what the pilot should be about, vomiting on someone's vest. Funny, meta, because this is what the show is about, but also funny because in their pilot, it started off with them doing laundry. Now, not to say that there was vomit on it, but there was was definitely laundry involved. So Uh. I thought that was... Kind of funny. Ah, the laundromat. I do not miss yeah. that <laughs> that location. No, I'm glad that did not become a normal scene. <laughs> I know, you know, a normal uh, uh, location. Yeah, yeah. So. And I, I loved uh, at the NBC studios in the waiting room area all those posters of old 1992 shows yes. like Blossom and Blossom, Fresh Prince of yeah. Bel Air, and then some really weird, obscure ones that were probably only on for like one season. I was yeah. like, oh, I kind of remember that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, those are all good. Um, all right. At uh, Monk's, they did get an offer. Uh, secondary Eight. booth. We're at the second booth, not yep. the main one. True. True. Very true. Good call out. But I did say at least we got both booths in one episode. Yeah, very true. And I'm okay with that. So, uh, all right. They got the offer. And, you know, George, his he sets his standards high. He, he wanted to dance and money. What they got was $13,000 as an offer to write this pilot. Yeah, which, hey, so. and back in 1992 money, I think that was pretty decent. I think it was maybe closer to – 13 would probably have been closer maybe to 30-ish around there today, you mm. know. But that's that's not yeah, terrible maybe. for them to split. It's, it's not terrible. And I don't know about, you know, writers for a pilot. But, like, Jerry's uh, – you know, he's a comedian, but he's never done a sitcom before or a pilot before or anything like that. George is really nobody. So it's like it does seem like it's probably a standard because this is this is not a show's picked up. You're basically writing a pilot here, guys, for this much money. If it gets picked up and you move on, then you're going to get paid for filming it if you're in it or for producing it, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, George, he's insulted. He wants uh, he wants that Ted dancing money. But uh, Jerry sees Joe Davola outside and then we get cut back to Elaine for the second time with the therapist again, just kind of emphasizing the dangerousness of Joe Davola. I, I just didn't need it. Yeah, I um, didn't either. Especially be- the second time. Especially the second time because did you notice, like, it's it's the same bit. He's like, oh, I'm wondering. It's like it's the, the, the psychiatrist wondering about this character. But then mm-hmm. Elaine gives this really disgusted look at the end of the scene. And I think it's setting up her, like, them leaving early or something like that. And that's what brings mm-hmm. her back, I think, next episode or, or something. Yeah. Um, but, like, I was like, man, for, like, a 30-second scene, like, Elaine had to do this, like, crazy, like, ugh, disgusted look at me. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't like it at all. And, again, it was another, like, $5 seamless backdrop that they put on there of someplace yeah. in Paris. I'm like, oh, God, guys. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> come exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> I, I agree. It really does take me out of it just because it looks so not real mm-hmm. that um, everything else, you know, it looks pretty standard, like a good set or like a real place. And that one just looks so fake that I'm just like, I, uh, I don't want those. Yeah. I don't want those scenes. Yeah. Uh, so. Me, me neither. And, and real quick, I, I think that I, 
I proposed or postulated a couple seasons ago that they use this booth when they have to interact with somebody out the window, like in mm. in in like um if someone's you know if story needs for them if the story needs for them to interact with somebody or see somebody out the window they put them in that booth and so far I'm gonna try to track that because so far that's kind of been how it holds up for this booth and he and okay. that's how it is here too it's like they use this booth to see Crazy Joe Devola out there yeah fair enough. Uh, yeah, I know they're at that booth when they like seen Kramer walk by yeah. or other stuff before. So yeah, okay. Uh, all right. So Jerry then asks a cop to you know help walk them out because you know he's afraid. And yes, of course, I noticed it was Tackleberry. <laughs> it's just fucking Tackleberry, man. Tackleberry from Police Academy. Oh, love it. You know, it's I great. can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember his name. I apologize, but I just wrote it's Tackleberry. Yeah, yeah, me neither, man. Yeah. I just wrote fucking Tackleberry. <laughs> that's that's what everybody knows him for. I mean, he's he's funny in those movies. He's the guy who's got like the big the big gun dude, the gun nut kind of guy. Um, great movies, man. I really did like those first couple of Police Academy. I didn't get to like watch all the others, but I watched like the first two or three, and I was happy with them. Me, me too. I'm I'm with you, man. And I I gotta say, I miss uh, the Gutenberg in our lives, man. I, yeah. I miss the Goot. <laughs> We do, yeah. We need some goot. Uh, so, but this is a funny scene here where you know they ask the cop, and he's like, "Okay, I just want to get a muffin." Uh, and then like, you no. Know, then he orders a sandwich, and then you know they're kind of like they keep pestering, "What the fuck is going on? Why does this guy keep ordering shit?" Uh, it, it's it's it is humorous. Um, we're gonna get some intercut stuff here as well. Back still at the courtroom. There's a lot Newman. of energy. There's a lot of energy at the courtroom. God, the energy from Newman is awesome. You know, <laughs> I just, I love it. Um, I'm just afraid Wayne it, Nate's going to have a heart attack during this scene. Like when he finally loses yeah. his shit, he turns so red. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> the energy's great, but he turns so red. I am legit like terrified for Wayne Knight, the actor, that he's going to die here. I mean, he does luckily, uh, we know after Seinfeld, he loses quite a yeah. bit of weight. So we're happy for him there. Yeah. Um. So that's at least it. But yeah, and that's all part of the humor. I mean, it's similar enough to like a um, Chris Farley. You know, when Chris mm-hmm. Farley got super angry and then red in the face, yeah. but he's a large dude, it works really well. Same kind of thing with Wayne Knight. But Chris um, Farley died. <laughs> yeah, true. But <laughs> well, how about this? All right, then how about with John Belushi? When John Belushi John was a big Belushi guy, died too. Oh shit! <laughs> they all died. Wayne Knight, thank you for losing the weight, Wayne Knight. We are super happy yes. that you're still with us, and we love you so so yes. much. Yeah, we do. God, we do. Uh, all right. So, but all that stuff does not go too well because Kramer's head is so messed up. He can't remember things. And yeah, it just ends up exactly culminating in Newman jumping over to like attack Kramer. And it's, it's all, it's fun shit. And I, is awesome. I love when Kramer falls. He brings the flag down on yeah. the judge. And you can, I mean, yeah. you can tell that was not a part of it. Yep. The actor was like, what the fuck's happening? You know? <laughs> yeah. And all of this. All of this insanity that Newman is going after is for seventy five bucks for his his thing. That's what the judge says. All right, you, you're ordered to pay seventy five bucks, and it's just like what he'll do for just seventy five bucks is awesome. Yeah, you know, to not have to pay. It's really it's almost more principle than anything else for Newman, and I love that. I'm with you there, buddy. I I yep. love it, man. I love all of yep. this. Yep. Uh, All right. At Monks, the cop is now. He's also getting a coffee. You know, God damn it, this guy. Which honestly. It's a dick move by the cop. Agreed. If someone is legitimately scared for their life or, you know, about getting hurt and he can't go walk them to a car or a bus or whatever and then come back and finish your meal or come back and finish your coffee or something. Yeah. Bit of a dick. Yeah. I'm with you. I never quite liked Tackleberry's character here. Like I was yeah. always kind of like, you're just being a dick to be a dick. 
Like that's yep. there's no like reasoning behind it. I almost yeah. maybe wish that like maybe Jerry annoyed him at first or something, but I thought Jerry like at the beginning was like like nice and I mean yeah. you tell a person that like look, I just want you to like stand by me while I hail, hail a cab or something. Like it wasn't like a big deal. I mean, and plus the guy's a cop. He'd be like, "Hey, waitress lady, save my spot. I eat here regularly. I'm a you know what I mean? Like she would have mm-hmm. just yeah, like let me order a muffin while I go out there. It, it, I feel like he didn't have to be that much of a dick. He was a dick. Yep. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, all right, so Jerry goes to kind of confront him a little bit. Newman and Kramer come in. Um, you know, at the end of it, you know, they're all kind of heading out or whatnot. George is settling up the ticket. I noticed that Jerry also ordered a muffin sandwich and a coffee. Like, that's what he owes. He owes $11. I, and I couldn't tell if there was a joke in there that I missed. If did the cop, I did also saw the cop walk out at some point. Did the cop stick Jerry with the ticket or did Jerry just happen to also buy the same stuff? That's a good point because I cued in on something at the end too when Jerry was like he was like huh uh and he like did this like shrug thing and uh-huh. I was like what was that like like cuz normally before this he always picks up the tab he never seems to have a problem with it and then now he's calling out something and then you saying that I didn't even cue into like what he like what he had ordered that's a good call. Maybe the cop put the muffin on Jerry's tab or something. But well, all of his stuff—the muffin sandwich and coffee. I mean, is it- I, I I do remember seeing at one point, and it's kind of sly. The cop just kind of walks out, and it's kind of behind you. We're all paying attention to either Kramer or Newman. I can't remember. And I statistically, I remember seeing the cop walk out. So maybe he was like that ticket. He told the waitress. My stuff's on that guy or some shit like that. Well, And so did we ever see what Jerry and George ate? What was there like? I don't even remember now. Now I actually want to go back and rewatch the scene. Did you? I, okay. I did not double check that. Well, okay. So if that was a joke, it was not a well-written one because we mm-hmm. didn't even sort of, or like we could see that there was something weird going on there. We just didn't know what it was. They, but now I want to They wanted see. us to pay attention yeah. to something. And I just, I, I wasn't given a heads up at what it was. Or did I figure it out and they got stuck with the check and he was like and, – and his little thinking himself was, oh, okay, I see what what happened there. Huh, huh. That's I don't a, know. That's interesting. Hey, that that's actually something that we can really get a call back on. Guys and gals out there, let us know uh, in the comments on, on this one. Uh, did, did Tackleberry put his – um, meal on Jerry's tab or like what was that joke? Let us know what, what your thoughts are in the comments on that one. Uh, all right. So – Newman is, you know, about to get another a parking ticket or something, so he runs out. It's all kind of crazy. And Kramer's you know? like, and Kramer's like, I, I saw it all, or you know, like basically, yep. yeah, it's a little callback to that. Yep. I like that. So, and then George and Jerry walk out as well, and we end with a, sta- a stand up on traffic school. <laughs> another one that I very much enjoyed because uh, many states in the country now have traffic school when you have uh, an infraction. Jerry goes like, I went to it. And I didn't mind it. He goes, he goes, I felt bad for the instructor, though. He goes to traffic school every day, no matter how he drives. I'm like, you know what? That's actually a great observation. Like, of all of Jerry's, like, observational humors, that's a good one. It's like, oh, wait, traffic school sucks, even though Jerry didn't hate it. But traffic school 
sucks. But what about the instructor? He has to go to traffic school every fucking day for no reason. And he's like, uh, what's his incentive to not speed? He's going to go to traffic school anyways. Why not get a race car and do 200 miles an hour down the street? Cops, cop stops him. He's like, where are you going so fast? He's like, to traffic school. And cop be like, you better, you better hurry. You need it. You know, he's like, maybe the punishment should be traffic. Just you sentence, they, they sentence you to 100 hours of traffic. They assign five people all around you to drive five miles an hour no matter where you go. He's like, you're on your way to Vegas. There isn't a car in sight. Come on, move it, you know. And uh, but I was like, I was like, that's funny. I loved all of it. I just didn't like at the very end where he made the Vegas reference because he's clearly a New York comedian or supposed to be. But by the time he wrote this, he was clearly living in L.A. doing the L.A. thing. And only us L.A. people know that the drive to, you know, Vegas, especially depending on the time that you go, is a straight shot with no one on the road. You know what I mean? And I was like, that's not a New Yorker joke right there. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think about that. But you're so right. That is such an L.A. joke because, I mean, the L.A. to Vegas drive is just notorious for just being awful. You go, if you go up on Friday after work, it's terrible. But particularly driving back on Sunday, like mm-hmm. afternoon, never make that drive. It, it'll, it's a four and a half hour drive, and it'll become like an eight hour drive if you do it at Sunday after. If you especially if you wait till after like the breakfast time, because that's when all the LA people start going back to you. Got to get up early and go, and then you'll get in good time. Yeah. Um, whenever I went to Vegas, uh, we would like. Man, we would just go in the middle of the night or something, you know, and then yeah. and get down there at some awkward, weird hour because then there's no traffic and you literally just it's a straight shot. And it's it's an awesome drive at night, too. But, dude, I tried to come back uh, after, like, I think Thanksgiving weekend and mm. GPS said that, like, from Vegas to L.A. would be 12 hours. And I was like, yeah. nope, nope. We just stayed another day and left the next yep. day. Like, nope. <laughs> Yeah, and it it does get that ridiculous. But yeah, that's definitely an LA joke, not a New York joke if he's, you know, going to be the New York guy which right? he is yeah so. no and it was so clearly la and i was like ah come on jerry yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't land in a new york club at all <laughs> nope um all right uh mind if i just kind of yeah, dive yeah. into in my final thoughts so there's definitely some moments here where you know we could we could beat this episode up and we and there was a couple things that i didn't love but not a whole bunch a couple things that confused me but in general I fucking loved this episode. <laughs> this was a two-parter, so it was chock full of stuff. But, like, the boyfriend is chock full of good stuff. Uh, they, they're both chock full of really good stuff. But this one, god damn it, so much good stuff. But this one had even more moments to me. Now, granted, the boyfriend had this Bruder film. It had some other really hilarious stuff. This one su- kept surprising me with, holy shit, that's in this episode, too? Holy shit, I'm getting all of this stuff here, and I'm loving all all of it. There's a couple random things that I mentioned. I don't need it, Elaine. Um, the cop thing. I thought, even though I like the cop stuff, I think he's he's a bit of a dick, and it didn't end as funny as I wanted it to be, and it was a bit confusing. But with the yo-yo mas, with this uh, the salsas, with the seltzas, with the everything, with the way night. God, I love Newman. With the setting up of the NBC, that meta joke itself is such a huge part of Seinfeld that that happening here. Hell, we got hello, uh, hello Newman in this one too. Like, there's so much good stuff. I 
adored this episode, and I gave it a 4.5 out of 5 seltzers. <laughs> ah, seltzer. Or seltzers. Or seltzers or seltzers. Seltzers, seltzers, seltzers. seltzers. <laughs> oh, buddy, man, I am with you. This is just heaven. I loved it. Um, I was not happy that we were – it was only my sort of thing, but I was about kind of under the gun time-wise today mm-hmm. to, to watch it. So I kind of didn't get to enjoy it as much as I kind of wanted to, yeah. but – uh, dude, it's such a great episode, especially coming after the the trip part one and two. You know, oh. I mean, like it, like I felt like it stuck the landing, right? Like this, it just it all of a sudden they just landed it, and it's like, oh my god, it's Seinfeld. We're now we're running. Yeah. We're just like we're running with it. <clears throat> but I'm with you. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't a perfect episode there were a couple little wonkiness things here and there but nothing that it all detracts from the overall enjoyment of this pure just classic Seinfeld this is classic Seinfeld this whole episode is literally a clip show it's Mm -hmm. like you could I would literally show this episode and be like this is Seinfeld right here this is like if you needed one 40 minute chunk to be like what is Seinfeld it's this right here it's perfect but like I said it's not a hundred percent perfect I think, like you said, um, it's weirdly okay without Elaine being a part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I also felt like the first half, I kind of enjoyed the first story arc better than the second one. I I know I love Newman just as much, but I don't always love the quick cutting between scenes in Mm -hmm. Seinfeld. And so just because, just for the little, just minor little things, um, I I just can't give it a five. But I do give it a 4.5 Dow Ripples. Out of five. That ripples. No, there you go. <laughs> Pretzel that ripples. You know, and I would uh I would agree with that. Like I like it when it when I get like the scenes intercut, but I like it when they somehow parallel each other. Yes. And yes. they had it and, and I would say when they're both doing their scheme, they're paralleling each other. But then they go off to monks, George and uh, Jerry go off to monks, and then the courtroom is still parallel, is still intercut with it. And, like, no, they needed to be kind of done with that at the same time. Yeah, you kind of want – I think you want the energy levels to be the same because when Mm -hmm. we were at monks, we were kind of in the the denouement of, you know, George and Jerry's story arc. So it's kind of – it's going downwards energy-wise, but we're at the climax of Kramer and Newman's. I don't know. Maybe this is the right way. I don't – you know, I don't know what the other way would have been, but it seems to me – I felt like you you would kind of want the climax to be for both of them at the same time, and yep. they just have like a really huge you know moment there. Um, but yeah, and then like it was it's it's awesome that like Tackleberry's in it. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like it's like yeah, you know, once you get past the fact that it's Tackleberry, you're like okay. But like, what did that really bring to the table? And I almost felt like what had happened was they finished George and Jerry stuff up first, and then they're like, "Oh, but we still have this Kramer stuff to go. We don't want to spend the entire like next ten minutes all Kramer mm-hmm. and, and Newman." So they kind of did this back and forth thing. Whereas, I, yeah, that was it. It felt like maybe they had to pad out the Jerry and George stuff to go just a little bit longer. But I mean, but they brought in Tackleberry, so that's cool. But it just he was kind of a dick, so that's yeah. not cool and i get them needing to intercut that scene though because you need to spend make it feel like it's got extra time to it as if tackleberry's really making them wait uh which he is but yeah yeah i'm with you it just it it didn't it didn't land perfectly but boy we both still really loved this episode yeah i mean this was and we call it an episode even though it was two or whatever but on hulu it's one and it's just it's so good it's so good you i think you could show people this one to get them into seinfeld this is just classic pure seinfeld right here and honestly 
this is where the season fucking starts for me, and it starts yes. with a fucking just bang, and I can't wait to see. I mean, we know where the season's going. We, you know, we we know, but stuff. like, I can't wait to see the connective tissues that we are going to pick up on during the course of this season, kind of like how we did the previous previous seasons. Even just now, the fact that like now having the context of the trip right before this made you know Jerry's line to Kramer uh, have a little bit more bite to it when he was like mm-hmm. uh you can't act i mean honestly yeah. that was a little bit harsher than i think like it was harsher in the context that it was than i ever thought it was watching it out of order you know what i mean but yes the that does not make the trip worth it <laughs> skip no. the trip and just season four starts right here people bro i can honestly look i, I could look anybody in the eye and tell them I, you can just skip the trips part one and two season four starts right now yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. I love it. Awesome, buddy. Hey, man. Well, we have uh, an extra long episode for everybody to enjoy during these crazy times. Uh, Adam, where else can we find you in out there in the podcasting world? You can find me on the Blast From Our Past podcast that I do with my brother John talking all things nostalgia, movies, TV show, and a whole lot more. That's our thing. Uh, and then also keep your eyes eye out where I haven't put it out yet, but we're starting to record and get a couple episodes together. Uh, John and I are having, uh, an ep- having a new show called Throwback Trivia Takedown that's going to be all nostalgic trivia and uh, talking about different random pop culture trivia from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I hope you guys check it out when that comes out here. Uh, how about you, Corey? Yeah, buddy. You can find me uh, every week talking to our buddy Tess about comic books on the ongoing Comic Book Discussion podcast. And uh, you can hear me talk about cult movies from the 70s, 80s, and a little bit of the 90s on Podcasting After Dark. And uh, don't forget to check out our pals over at Talking Back and Friday Five. All the podcasts on our network on the BFOPnetwork.com. Be fun. I, I know to pause now when I say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's uh, www.bfopnetwork.com, and you can find all the pages for all the retro podcasts in our network, and every single one of them is worth checking out. And don't forget, guys and gals, if you are new to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, and you are looking for seasons one and two, they are on, our entire archive is over on Patreon. For just $1 a month, you unlock every single episode of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We have, like, from episode one through current right now, essentially. It's all there for just $1 a month. Our entire archive is unlocked. If you're just keeping up with it and you've been listening to us from the beginning, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. If you could leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts that would go a huge way to help get uh you know new new listeners uh in front of the show and everything and uh and it's also a free way to help us out so we really appreciate it but uh if you also want to go back and listen to the old episodes one buck a month ain't too bad we don't think yeah or just show a little support because uh you know all of these uh server fees cost some money and that would be a huge help um we love doing this and we want to keep doing it for the entirety of seinfeld um so just you know if you guys have the, have the time and have, like, the scratch of $1, we would love the help. Yes, we would totally love it, and we really, really appreciate it. So thank you guys so much, and we are happy to officially be kicking off Season 4 of Seinfeld. Hey. 
Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like any. iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. This Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your proton pack and your ecto cooler. And maybe some McNugget bugs.